Hey, thanks for stopping by. It's Extra Angie for Breakfast, the podcast that goes alongside the Triple M Southwest Breakfast Show. And I'm the host, Angie, and we hang out every morning. And sometimes you stop by and listen to the extra stuff. Now, this week has already been quite interesting. So basically, I did the show from home yesterday. We've got community transmission for the first time in the Southwest. And I was talking about it with the crew at Studio HQ. And you know when you're going to go on a scary ride and you're in the line and that's the worst part of it? And then once you're on the ride, you're on the ride and you just deal with whatever comes at you. I feel like we've been in the line for the scary ride for two years now. I feel like we're finally on that ride and we're going to deal with whatever comes at us. So that's my little two cents on the the COVID-19 situation. But as such, we had a conversation around the office and we wanted to make sure that, you know, even if I become a close contact with somebody or someone in the office gets it, I've been in contact, I have to work from home. I don't want the Southwest to miss out on their local content. So we've <laughs> overhauled the system and my computer and I can actually do the whole show from home, interviews, callers, everything. Technology is a marvellous thing. So that's what I was practising yesterday. It was pretty fun. And um, seems like when I asked you, it sounded fine out the speakers, which is all I'm ever asking for. And this is my last day for the week. See, tomorrow's a public holiday. It's a problematic date on our calendar. And as such, I thought I'm going to take Thursday, Friday off and turn it into a five-day weekend and restart again next week. So that's what I'm doing. As part of all that conversation, I had a really fabulous discussion with the one and only Derek Kickett, amazing footy player, West Australian legend. He was on I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here, had some big conversations, ate a lot of weird stuff, and we had a great chat about football, Australia Day, and you know, the First Nations experience. So that's cool. We've got an update on my underwater radio scuba show and we kicked off with a bang or rather a rumble this morning around the southwest. I just want to ask a question. By any chance has anybody reported an earth tremor? Yeah, I was talking about that just before. Yeah. Yeah, where are you in the southwest? I'm in Collie. You're in Collie and you felt it? Yes, my house shook. Oh, whoa. Like in a big way or just a little? No, little I, I was sitting at the table and I could feel the whole whole place move. Yeah, right. That would have been a bit scary. Ah, I'm used to it. Had one before. Oh, right. When was that? Uh, I was down in Bunbury at the time when uh, Meckering shook. Yeah, right. Well, this was, in, was... this was in Wagen and they were saying that it was a 4.7 magnitude. Oh, my God. Just letting you know, we I got woken up to that earthquake. Um, in Winnerjup, and I think there might have been one earlier in the night. I didn't look at the time because the fan actually fell off the um, windowsill. Oh, really? Yeah, so I got up and and just stood it up on the floor and went back to bed. I didn't check the time, though, so I'm not sure whether that was another one. Uh, The only time I've ever felt an earthquake, I was in Caratha, and it was off the coast of Broome, and it was like, it's a really weird feeling, isn't it, when everything in your world is just rattling? It's been a couple of years since I got woken up to one about the same time. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's a bit scary. <laughs> it just makes you feel really small, doesn't it? Like there's this whole, yeah. like, tectonic plate that can dictate what goes on with our lives. <laughs> but, oh, you know, it was funny, though. I sent my sister a text to me, and she goes, no, that was her because the dog pooed in the house, and that was her running around the house cleaning up. <laughs> 
And he's always been a legend. Derek Kickett uh, has now elevated himself to a reality TV legendary status of drinking cow urine and eating eyeballs and I don't know, God knows what. And he's joining us on the show, our West Aussie legend. Hello. Hello, Angie. How are you going? <laughs> yeah, it's good. Good to hear some, good to hear some WA voice, Sandgrabbers. Oh, voice. yes. How's the <laughs> East Coast treating you? Yeah, it's not too bad, but I still miss home. I'm just waiting for McGowan to open those borders so we can go home. Mate. Uh, Me and a thousand other people from Melbourne are just waiting to go home. You know, we just want to go back home to country and family. Yeah, I bet. And look, I don't actually think it's too far away at this stage. We do have some community transmission of uh, corona now, which we haven't had for two years. So it is, uh, I suppose it's on its way. Yeah, we're we're much envious of you guys over there. We haven't we've been wearing masks for the last two and a half years over here, and all your WA mobs over there just mask free. You know, it's just we're a bit jealous, but uh, <laughs> that's yeah, that's the only reason why I took on the the jungle challenge was because um, they said, do you want to stay in Melbourne wear masks, or do you want to go out in the jungle and be mask free? And obviously, <laughs> I'll choose, choose the latter. Well, I mean, the jungle, like when you grow up in regional West Australia, it's the bush, isn't it, first and foremost? And I can imagine you're pretty comfortable there. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, camping is, is, I'm from the country boy. I'm a country boy all the way from Tamman. So, you know, we're about two hours outside of Perth. So, um, so for me to go bush, there was, was a great opportunity. I love camping and yeah, it was in my element. So, yeah, I had a, I had a great time. Now, Derek, I would pride myself. I've been a regional West Australian radio presenter for a number of years now. I used to a really remote show, and now I'm in the southwest. I've never heard of Tamman. Well, we're quite uh, quite a little town, but if you are driving uh, from Melbourne to Perth, uh, you have to. It's on the we're on the main highway. Um, you probably heard of um, I don't know. Northern, we're about an hour east of Northern. So, right. um, but, I, but I always tell people if you're driving past uh, Three Tamman, I said don't blink because you'll miss it. <laughs> so it's a very small town, but it's 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 my place where I call home. So it's on uh, Balladon Country, and it's uh, you know we're Noongar people from there. So yeah, so it's part of my home. So yeah, it's great to be. I haven't been home for the last three years, so oh. unfortunately, I just want to get back home. Yeah, well, when you do, uh, pop into the studio, come and say good day. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's uh, yeah, you know, down south is a nice part of the country down there. Yeah, well, look, um, you like the conversation around "I'm a celebrity, get me out of here" has been vastly different to previous years, and I think a lot of that is down to you. Bit of pressure on your shoulders, but uh, after your performances on the footy field, you're no stranger to pressure. Um, I asked you before we we started chatting if you did want to, you know, talk about the um. I don't know. Do we call it the white elephant in the room? Tomorrow's the 26th of January. Yeah, yeah, the white elephant, yeah. <laughs> Tomorrow's the 26th well, of January and you had some really poignant conversations on the show. Um, and when I was just like watching back some of the clips, <laughs> one of the yeah, one of well, the celebs said like, oh, there needs to be more people like him in Australia. <laughs> There's a lot. <laughs> well, there is, yeah. Well, you know, we're, even though we make up only three percent of the population, we're we're still out there, and uh, you know, we're we're the we're the history, the true history of Australia. So, you know, um, 
Yeah, we're, we're talking on the eve of, uh, I will call it, uh, this is my point of view, I will call it Invasion Day, um, and I'm allowed to because it's part of me. Um, but other people can call it Australia Day or they can call it Survival Day, whichever way you look at it, but that's your point of view. And um, yeah, so the one good news that came out of it, I'd seen on the, uh, the news recently, is the Aboriginal flag is free. So that's uh, one of the great news that we are able to celebrate that uh, tomorrow. Uh, that is a huge moment, and actually I'm going to talk a little bit more about that in detail next on the show. Um, but, yeah, so we've got this problematic date, um, and my experience with this date is when I was younger, I thought it was all about a music playlist, and I thought it was about building giant water slides and having barbecues and beers with my mates in the sunshine, and oh, there I was, yeah. and Australia flags and all the rest of it. And then I moved to the Pilbara, and I had a very different experience and um, just met a wider circle of friends and you know people from country who, well, we just had these conversations like you had on national TV and it hit me like a ton of bricks. I like to go to a party where everyone's invited and not everyone's invited tomorrow. Yeah, uh, well, unfortunately, we won't be able to celebrate that out in the community as well. So over in Melbourne here, we've still got restrictions, so we're just not going to help First Nations people over here. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, Interesting uh, when you say you went up to the Pilbara because, uh, you know, certain parts of Australia where the First Nations people still practice their law, L-O-R-E. So, you know, Pilbara is one of those areas. So they're very, um, very proud of their culture, just the same as we, everybody else around Australia, the First Nations people were proud of their culture and their, their history. So, yeah, for, you know, the Pilbara, when you go to the Pilbara, they're one of those um, clans, I suppose, the groups that uh, still practice their, like I said, their law, So, um, which is great to, great to see and hear. Yeah. Um, and also what it did for me is uh, since I started, you know, like I got the, I got the Western colonization education that, you know, most Australians get. And I, I was real mad when I got to the Pilbara because there's this whole other side that's utterly beautiful and breathtaking and it connects us more than it divides any of us. You know, Australians are generally on the whole people that love the land, the scenery, exploring, adventuring, and when you learn about, you know, culture and country, it ties it all together in a beautiful way. And it just, it's deepened my experience in life so much. So when people, you know, have these tough conversations about the date tomorrow and what it means to different people, um, I think people just need to not be scared to ask others for their experience and just be able to listen. Yeah, for sure. Like, um, if you want to learn something uh, about the Aboriginal history or the culture, you know, um, you talk to the experts, you know, we're the First Nations people and this is our history, this is our, and it's part of uh, Australia's white history as well. So, um, you know, don't be afraid to, to open those conversations. Um, you know, we obviously, we're, we're proud of, bunch of people that uh, want to talk about our history and, and, our, and our, um, our culture as well. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be um, interesting tomorrow to see how people handle the situation. We, you know, we always talk about changing the date um, and it'll continue to go on um, each year until the government decides to say, yeah, we probably, at the end of the day, we probably do need to change the date. And so that, I think that eventually will happen one day down the track. Well, look, it's just all a bit awkward now, isn't it? Let's be honest. Like everyone's just a bit unsure and it's just got very um, icky. What would be your suggestion? I, to be honest, I really haven't got a, a date. I haven't really thought that far. Um, I mean, you know, too busy worrying about other things that's uh, more important to me. Um, 
So, yeah, but I think there certainly there will be a date that needs to be changed and whatever that is, I think sure the, uh, the, the government will uh, decide on what dates will be appropriate for the whole nation of Australia to, you know, to accept it. All right. But, well, always, but they're not going to please. They're not going to please everybody. So put it that way. So you know, whatever date we change it to, someone, some people are still, still not going to be happy. But you know. <laughs> I reckon we float the date. I reckon it needs to be on a Monday or a Friday, and it doesn't matter what date it is. <laughs> Have it like Easter. Well, what if, well, I reckon. Well, I was I was looking at it today, uh, yesterday, actually, and I was thinking, oh, t- tomorrow is the invasion day, or you know, Australia Day, twenty sixth of. So if they can have it every uh, every Wednesday, we call the midweek bump or the hump day. Uh, if they have it on Wednesday, that's good that we go to work Monday, Tuesday, we have a day, a holiday on Wednesday, and we go back to work on a Thursday and Friday. That sounds good to me. <laughs> well, look, it'd be very rude of me not to discuss um, your favourite footy moment, given that, uh, you know, it is Triple M Southwest. I think I'd be shot around here if I didn't ask the great Derek Kickett about, um, you know, the, the ultimate moment um, on the footy field. Oh, I've got, I've got, a, I've got a few, actually. and uh, I'll say my first AFL game, um, coming from Tamman, a uh, small kid growing up in the country at 13 years of age. I've dreamt of uh, watching the VFL at the time. And I've always uh, wanted to play at the MCG and to get that opportunity. Um, my first game was for North Melbourne against Essen, and we won. And we won pretty comfortable. I think they were the favourites. And to to get the opportunity to play at the MCG on the MCG is something that I'll cherish forever. And to get the opportunity to play in the MCG twice in a grand final, even though I lost two grand finals, to get an opportunity to play in two grand finals in front of 95,000 plus people. You know, some people, some players have played over 200 games or 300 games and they've never played in the final, let alone an AFL grand final or, or, or grand finals MCG. So I got that. I got two opportunities to do that, but unfortunately I didn't win. And the other one probably uh, for me as well is um, winning a premiership out of my team that I played for as a young kid and that was Claremont Football Cup. Hey, there we are. <laughs> uh, um, Derek, thank you so much for the conversation. Thank you for putting yourself out there in the jungle, eating all that gross stuff, having the big conversations. You really are an inspiration. No worries, yeah. Thanks, and hello to all the Noongars back there. And oh, we'll see you when I get a chance. And McGowan, open those borders so we can get back home. <laughs> Guess what? Something extremely unique is taking place from one o'clock today right through to tomorrow. And that is a fundraiser called Rolling for Rog. It's in Harvey. I need to know all about it. So Catherine's on the line with me to fill in the blanks. How are you, Catherine? I'm very well, Andrew. How are you? I'm excellent. First of all, who's Rog? Okay, so Rog, Rog as he's affectionately known to uh all his friends and family. It's Kelvin Rogers, and Kelvin um, is one of our uh, younger members at the Harvey Bowling Club. Um, the fundraiser rolling for Rog, um, as I said, he's a much-loved member um, who was recently diagnosed with cancer. Now, Kelvin uh, is all a man all too familiar with adversity. He took up lawn bowling after losing his sight in a car crash in Karatha when he was, he was just 21 years of age. Mm. Um, and, and Calvin was like an all-round sportsman and to be told that you could no longer play contact sports was, you know, a pretty heavy blow. So Calvin, as we know Calvin, pretty resilient young man, found a new hobby after visiting his local bowling club in Harvey. 
Um, so now at um, 42, his resilience and determination is amazing. He's now dominating the sport in the B2 already classification, which caters for athletes um, with less than 10% vision. Um, along his journey, Kelvin has just recently been named the Sports Star of the Year at the WA Disabled Sports Association uh, Annual Awards and also earned the title of the WA Disability Lawn Bowls Champion. That's amazing. I mean, oh, I, I just, I'm just hanging on every word here. What a story. Yeah, yeah, and it even gets better. He's now among the final three Australian men's single hopefuls vying to compete in the 2022 Commonwealth Games in Birmingham. So amazing. It's just, it's so um, humbling for all of us. It's such a beautiful individual in our community. Um, but, you know, um, we, unfortunately, you know, as life throws your curveballs, Calvin was diagnosed last year in October um, with bowel cancer, which was a shock to, uh, a big shock for Calvin and his family. Um, he's undergoing intense chemotherapy for three days every fortnight and he's unable to work um, as a massage therapist as a result of his, of his diagnosis. So this is where his good mate, um, fellow clubman and also my husband, Anthony Burnham, has stepped in with this idea of the 24-hour bowlathon. Aha, uh-huh. um, this is the fundraising uh, bit. This is the fundraising bit, yes. So Anthony and fellow clubman uh, Sid Hayes, who is also our um, the Harvey Bowling Club captain, um, will be rolling up for 24 hours straight at the Harvey Bowling Club today from 1pm till tomorrow 1pm uh, to raise funds for Roger, uh, for Kelvin, um, for his medical bills as well as to support his young family. Um, which is his wife, Shelley, and his kids, Lara, who is 10, and his son, Campbell, who is 12. Um, as well as this, we're also very fortunate to have an exhibition, uh, exhibition match uh, tomorrow, being Australia Day, from 10am till 12 noon, with some of our state's best bowlers in action. So this will be just great um, viewing for everyone and just exciting for the Harvey Bowling Club to have these players um, at our club. Well, Catherine, um, thank you so much for reaching out and letting us know about it because this sounds really amazing. So 1 o'clock yeah. this afternoon and it'll be rolling for 24 hours and there's heaps going on. You guys are having some entertainment and meals and silent auctions and um, absolutely obviously goes for such on a great on. cause. Yeah, so much happening. Um, meals tonight from 6 till 9, entertainment from 7 till 10 and silent auction and uh, uh, raffles. Um, all over the 24 hours and tomorrow morning good old bacon and egg rolls for breakfast so come on down to the harley bowling club and support this great cause generally week on week i catch up with the district superintendent for the southwest jeff stewart hello Hey, Ange, how are you? Yeah, good. I really appreciate your time every week. It sort of keeps us connected with uh, how our community is looking. And, you know, for the last few weeks, it's been quite incredible. We've been uh, praising the excellent and patient driving, but unfortunately we have uh, come to an end of good luck on that run. Yeah, we have. Very sad. We had a, uh, a single vehicle fatal crash that occurred in the early hours of uh, yesterday morning on Chewett Drive, uh, 
um, near Ludlow. And uh, so uh, the driver of the vehicle has struck a tree and been uh, killed at the, uh, in, in the crash. So uh, very sad. A major crash investigation are assisting our people with investigating that crash. I'm so sorry to hear that for everyone involved. Yeah. Uh, something else that I'm absolutely heartbroken to hear about is the firebug situation. Yeah, it's you. You just can't believe some people. And uh, yeah, we had a series of uh, fires that were lit uh, in the early hours of uh, last Sunday morning over near North Greenbushes and Ballingup. So we're asking the community if anyone has any information about any suspicious activities, suspicious people. Uh, around Hay Road in North Greenbushes and Old Padbury Road in Bailingup. Uh, the DFS went out there and quickly extinguished uh, a number of fires that uh, could have reached a real strong fuel load of uh, bush area and we could have had a major incident occurring again. Uh, they were deliberately lit and we're seeking all assistance in trying to locate who was responsible. And we're still on the lookout for information about the um, Meelup Regional Park fires as well. So it's just, um, I, it just beggars belief. I don't understand it, but, I, you know, that's that's the whole thing, isn't it? You're not going to understand everyone on the planet, but we can do our little bit and share any information that we've got. Well, it's scary, isn't it, uh, with what can happen? And we saw it up at recent fires up in Perth where an arsonist was uh, uh, arrested and allegedly started a fire that took out a uh, a lady's home and all the possessions, all the history of a family and everything like that. And But apart from losing that, just the possibility of losing people, it's just beggar's belief how uh, some idiots would actually uh, do this. Speaking of, uh, you've got a few pain in your backsides this week, Jeff. Yeah, just uh, illegal campers. Um, you know, the southwest is a beautiful area of the state, if not the country, if not the world. And uh, we have, uh, and I'm talking about uh, without throwing stones, well, I'm going to throw stones, uh, uh, backpackers and visitors to the area that are illegally camping in areas, and uh, and we don't want to see that. There's lots of uh, available spaces to go to, and uh, having large groups and setting up large music festivals in, in the bush or on the coast and, uh, and the fire risk presented with that, and it is a fire risk because fire twirling and other equipment have been seized in the past from these groups and we just don't want to see another major bushfire and I know that DBCA and uh, local government are working uh, with us as well to address these groups and gatherings of people. Go book into a caravan park, go where there's amenities and uh, and enjoy the area for what it is but don't put us all at risk and uh, um, yeah, please uh, do the right thing. And uh, But once again, I think this is where we see the Frio Docker supporters just coming into these groups and leading these people astray, I think, Ange. Now, I'm not letting you off the hook today. I would like to hear your thoughts on the Eagles uh, women's team, please. Oh, look, uh, there's something come up, Ange. I have to go straight away, all right? Oh, <laughs> you don't watch them. I thought you were the <laughs> West Coast Eagles' biggest diehard fan. Yeah, well, let's, uh, we've got to, let's, See when uh, uh, the season proper gets underway for the men's side, and we'll see. Uh, that's but I've got to say, and I'm going to say this now: Freya Dockers should have won the grand final for the women's last season, but the season got mixed up. So uh, no, good on them. Uh, but we're not going to talk them, about but, uh, the fact that uh, Fremantle Dockers uh, scored 43 over West Coast earlier in January. We don't want to talk about that. 
All right, you're starting to crap on now. (laughs) (laughs) Jeff, take it easy. We'll catch you next week. See you, Ange. (laughs) Something happened at the end of last year. A woman called me out of the blue and said... Me and the lads have been talking and we want you to do a challenge. This is that woman, Lila from Bunbury Drilling Company. Hello. Hello. How are you going? <laughs> Honestly, one of the most bizarre phone calls I've ever taken. And uh, and of all the phone calls I've ever taken, I think this is the most homework I've ever done whilst being an adult and uh, working over, over a holiday period. <laughs> oh, <laughs> sorry. Sorry to put the challenge on you. <laughs> So the challenge you issued with the lads at Bunbury Drilling was that you, you know, would like to see me rise to the challenge of doing my show underwater. Yes. Yes. Now, you guys do a, a bit of under underground stuff, being a drilling company, but you yes, also do yes, stuff with water. Yeah. Um, now, I don't, I don't want to do a scuba dive in one of the holes that you drill. So that's the no. only uh, little asterisk no. I'm going to put on there. <laughs> It wouldn't be much fun. No, no. no. <laughs> but I'm uh, very pleased to let you know, Lila, that uh, not only can it be done. What? It can be done. Um, I have a mate who works at Commercial Water Dive in the southwest who has the equipment and who is prepared to train me on it and do the dive with me. Oh, how cool. So that's a tick. Uh, yep. I just got it past my legal department. They went, oh, God, this sounds terrible. Just be safe. Uh, so tick from legals. Awesome. And it turns out that it's never been done before in the world. They've done underwater radio shows in swimming pools and aquariums. And even as late as last year on the Great Barrier Reef, they did one, but they were only five metres deep and they had those, like, big uh, bobble helmets on top of their head. You don't even have to know how to swim. You don't have to have a ticket. Like it wasn't really scuba. So this is going to be the world's first legitimate open water scuba dive on the planet. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, what are the odds that like everything that we need to make this happen actually are here in the Southwest, including some awesome spots to actually go scuba diving in? Yeah, no, oh, that's amazing. It's meant to be. <laughs> oh, so I'm actually bunking off work on Thursday and Friday this week, and I'm going to yeah. be doing some training with Tori and his crew, Shannon. And uh, yeah, I'm going to be um, doing my first dive with the face mask and see how I go with it. Because, I mean, it all hinges also on my ability a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's awesome. Oh man, I can't believe this is happening. So, um, no, no, neither can we. <laughs> from uh, from my bosses, uh, they're not impressed with you. But from me, this is one of the coolest things I have literally ever been involved in. So, thank you so much. Oh no, that's awesome. That's um, very cool. One hurdle that I did find is I wanted to make it an official Guinness World Record, but they wanted ten thousand dollars. Uh, oh, that's really expensive. I know. They wanted $10,000 to adjudicate it and have it in their book. So what I'm actually thinking um, is what about we make it a, a fundraiser? We try yeah. and raise five grand for the Bustleton Jetty and five grand for the Dolphin Discovery Centre. That sounds like an awesome idea. All right. Well, here we go. This is all thanks to you, Lila. <laughs> so uh, we'll just keep following this uh, this down the rabbit hole. Oh, no, that's awesome. Yeah, no, we're very, we're very excited and can't believe it. It's actually happening. <laughs> Proper mixed bag this week. And just to add a few little notes in there about the conversation with Derek Kickett, um, a good mate of mine in the Pilbara 
told me to watch Exile and the Kingdom. It's a YouTube documentary now. It was filmed quite a while ago, so it is a bit old, but it just really shows what it's all about, you know, the January 26th conversation. So if you would like to learn a little bit more about it, if you'd like to expand your horizons as I did when I when I moved to the Pilbara, you know, perhaps moving to the Pilbara is not an option for you. Well, that's where I would start if I were you. So you can take it or leave it. Advice is freely given and freely ignored. And I definitely know that. But whatever you get up to, just be safe and look after each other and have respect. You've been sensational. I've been Angie.